<laughs> Thank you for that, Aaron. Uh, we know that the Gibson family is worshiping with us live online right now, and we are all praying for you. It's kind of a big deal that you have COVID-19 in your home. Uh, and so thank you for that message. Aaron and I had a long conversation last night on the phone, and they are doing fine, but it's a big deal. Um, we have had three ministry partners at Lake Forest Church Huntersville who have died from COVID-19, and, um, and so uh, we're taking it very seriously, and we're praying for you and your family. And what's great is a week from now, we can all give you hugs because you'll be immune. So, uh, which uh, one of our nurses at Lake Forest Church Huntersville posted on Instagram yesterday that she got the vaccine. She's one of the first ones because of her work on the front lines. And uh, I, I'm seriously threatening to go to her house and just give her a hug because she's now immune. I just want to hug somebody. Uh, I, I am Mike, uh, founding pastor of Lake Forest Church and uh, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville. Um, I'm so proud of how y'all are doing as a church. Lake Forest, Westlake. Um, you know what's going to be super cool is uh, Aaron has kept me up to speed. Aaron and I are super close. Aaron is, is just such a gift of encouragement to me as a colleague and a friend. Uh, we are so simpatico theologically. We talk about our sermons uh, week by week. Um, so that's kind of how we are as a family of churches, and I'm so thankful for him. And you as a church, he just keeps bragging on you all and, and how you've done with the Rooted campaign. I was at your groundbreaking ceremony this summer in a pandemic, uh, and you know what's going to be super cool? When we're all chewing vaccine gum, and we're fine, and we emerge from this pandemic, you know what's going to be open and ready for your booming town of Denver and Lincoln County? the new Lake Forest Church Westlake building uh, over there on whatever road that is. Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to be some seriously awesome God timing for your town. That It really is booming. That, you know, like word is out. Um, I'm glad. I hope you all all own some real estate over here because it's doing good. Because <laughs> lots of people want to move here. Listen. And you, I'm glad to see you all here in person. I'm going to talk a lot to the 90% of your church that's worshiping online today. Following Jesus is about more than beliefs. It's about following his actions. It's about following Jesus' way of life. A belief-only Christianity is a brain-centered religion that ends up being a privatized faith disconnected from actual real life, from behavior, from love, from work. Following Jesus is a whole way of living, not just a set of beliefs. And frankly, the world is tired and cynical regarding Christians who say, I love Jesus, but, like every other f but live like every other fool in the neighborhood or worse. Millennials tell me they are really tired of adults, older adults, who say they love Jesus and they post it and they post it but who name call and mock on social media just like every other fool in the neighborhood does. That's what young millennial believers are telling me. And that's ridiculous. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, bless your enemy. And Jesus says, if you even call an enemy a fool, and the word in his language was raka, you are sinning greatly. Following Jesus is about living his way of life, speaking his words, as much as it is about believing in his person and his world view. His worldview is awesome. It's that God is love and love wins. 
So we believe his worldview, and we want to be people as disciples of Jesus who live his way. So to follow Jesus is not only to believe in him, but also to live his way. Now, a lot of older adults today, we like to make fun of younger generations who follow influencers on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, wherever else. But you know what? Fans of some of those influencers are better at following the influencers than many of us are at following Jesus. Like they learn every mannerism, every detail of that influencer. Like, I'm going to buy the same makeup. I'm going to wear the same clothes. I'm going to have the same mannerisms of the influencer. If we have that kind of passion of being like Jesus in our habits and way of life, how awesome would that be for the world today? Dallas Willard, a, a literary mentor of both Aaron and I, we share an admiration for him. He's a master of the Christian spiritual life in a previous generation. He wrote this, we can become like Christ in character and in power and thus realize our highest ideals of well-being and well-doing. Do you believe this is possible? My central claim is we can become like Christ by doing one thing, by following him in the overall way of life he chose for himself. Sometimes, I, I, I try to go back and reread the Gospels at least once a year. I usually do it during my summer study break in July. And I'll reread the Gospels like front to back. And I, every now and then I'll read the Gospels through the lens of not what did Jesus teach, but what did Jesus do. I look at his ordinary behavior. And today I want to focus as a gift of hope here before Christmas one habitual action of Jesus, not the content of his teaching, that I have observed when I read the Gospels, and I want to bring it to you today. And here it is. It's super simple, and you're not going to be shocked. <laughs> you're going to be like, okay, tell me something I didn't know, Mike. Jesus studies or quotes from or teaches out of or alludes to or refers to God's Word, the Bible, as a huge percentage of his recorded words coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Therefore, you and me, one of the ways you can receive God's gift of hope in your life, because Jesus was the most hopeful person on the history of this planet, and one of the ways you and I can receive God's gift of hope is that you, and the, one of the ways you can be a gift of hope to the world is to live in Jesus' way, make God's word the Bible, a huge percentage of your study time, of your reading time, of your talky talk time, your daily words to yourself, your self-talk. Like, do you ever make God's word, the scripture, part of your self-talk to your own self and to other people? Now, question, did, okay, yeah, Jesus, he talked about the Bible. His Bible was the Jewish scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. Did Jesus know and discuss the Bible so much? Was it really because of his special Jesus sauce? Like, and it was just Jesus. And so I should give up the hope of knowing the scriptures as well as he did and interacting with them as an ordinary habit. And that's just like special Jesus sauce stuff. And I can't really do that. To put the question more theologically, because I'm Dr. Professor Moses once in a while, does Jesus' constant access to God's word in his heart and mind 
leading to supreme hopefulness at all times, does that come, his access to God's word all the time, does that come from his divine nature or his human nature? Because Jesus, what we celebrate, the incarnation here at Christmas, is that Jesus was fully God and fully man come to planet Earth to rescue us. And if his knowledge and access to God's word all the time comes from his divine nature, is it therefore a supernatural thing and it's not repeatable by me, by you, living here in Lincoln County? Well, I want to say Jesus' mastery of the Bible, and I have my Bible in the, front, in the seat there. I was going to hold it up. Jesus' mastery of the Bible, I'm going to say, came from his family, his religious practice, and his own repeated study and memorization, not from supernatural revelation. Therefore, you and I, aided by the Holy Spirit, can become a person with God's word flowing, 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 flowing in and through us like Jesus. And therefore, receiving God's gift of hope at all times and therefore being a gift of hope to everyone in our life. Now, if you're not a Christian or if you're, you're investigating the Christian faith, why would you be, you're, you're like, okay, great, dude's going to talk now about learning the Bible. Why do I want to be a person marked by the Bible? I will tell you why. <laughs> Simply because Jesus was like that. If you're attracted to Jesus, to Jesus' teaching and Jesus' person, which, by the way, every person of just about any religion and no religion finds Jesus remarkable. That's why I reread the Gospels. front to back every summer. I'm so, I'm so enamored with Jesus showing us who God is, what God is like, and embracing us no matter what we've done, no matter where we come from, no matter your failings, just saying God is love and he loves you. Come as you are. That's why I reread the Gospels. And so if you're looking into the Christian faith, you cannot help but be almost magnetized by Jesus telling us, telling us who God is. And one of Jesus' habits that constructed his character and his power, and this habit would have been during his silent years that are not recorded much in the Bible. I'm going to show you a couple of things. Was his immersion in God's story and God's communication to us through the Bible. Therefore, there's no shortcut to being like Jesus. Christians, there's no shortcut. It, it's just being immersed and filled with God's Word, including the New Testament that's all about Jesus and all that He offers us. And so, if you just want to be an admirer of Jesus and push the like button, that's cool. You can do that. You can ignore the Bible for yourself and just be a fan. But if you accept Jesus' invitation when he looks through history and he says to you, follow me, then no matter what you've done, no matter what you think, his invitation is to all and for you personally, this invitation is an invitation to become like Jesus with his ordinary habit of God's word flowing through your life daily. This is a gift of hope for you from Jesus. Okay, am I making this up? Let me show you. Let me show you. I, 
I came up, I made up myself three measurements of Jesus' ordinary habit of learning and knowing the scriptures. Number one, Jesus often says, it is written, you'll be familiar with this when you read the Bible, he will often say, it is written, and then he quotes a relevant passage. This is not exhaustive, I just picked some from three of the gospels. He'll go, it is written, and then blah, 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 showing that he is conversant with the Bible. Here's an example, John 7, 38. I just picked one. Jesus is talking to some people, and he goes, hey, by the way, whoever believes in me, John 7, 38, it is written, see that? That's from the scriptures. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. Isn't that cool? Jesus' own claim to be the living water that will well up in you to overflowing is actually out of God's written word. Secondly, we're told another evidence or measurement of Jesus' ordinary habit of learning and knowing the scriptures is we're told, quote, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught from the scriptures all the time. Like, this is mentioned many times. Like, so first of all, well done. Those, those of you here in person and those of you worshiping online, well done showing up. One of God's big ten commandments is every seven days worshiping the living God with other people, and well done showing up to do that, even in a pandemic. Well done. And that was Jesus. Did you know Jesus was religious, quote-unquote, in that way? He worshiped every seven days in the synagogue, and he often taught from their Bible. Luke 4, 16, here's an example. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, what? As usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures, and then he taught from it. A third measurement of Jesus' ordinary habit of being a man of, of God's word is many, many times Jesus includes a quote or an allusion of the scripture passage in his discussion with disciples or his disputes with religious leaders or his answer to seekers. Like so much, and, and again, I'm not giving exhausting examples. This is just in the Gospel of Luke, if you want to screenshot that and check my homework. Uh, he alludes to God's Word all the time, like his speech is just dripping with it. Here's an example, Luke 20, 41. I just picked one. Then Jesus said to them, why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? They're in a discussion about the Messiah. And, and he's alluding. See, here he's not directly quoting, but if you know the Bible just a tiny little bit, Lake Forest people, you know that it's an Old Testament prediction that the Messiah would be in the lineage of David, and here Jesus is referring to that. So in this sermon, I'm not going to now go into the content of a lot of Jesus' teaching. I'm staying at the level of observing what was ordinary and habitual for Jesus to quote Scripture, teach Scripture, discuss Scripture all the time. And if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to offer his level of hope to the world in a very troubling time, we're in a world that is seething with frustration over the pandemic. If we're going to be hope offers to, offerers to a country politically divided and wanting human solutions, people are like, if my political party could control it all, we want human solutions. If you want to be a person of extraordinary, uncommon, supernatural hope, this will become an ordinary habit in your life. 
We can't expect to approach the level of hope and wisdom of Jesus in life situations. We can't expect to have the knowledge of God and God's plan that drove him without the nutrients of God's word filling every inch of our human spirit. Because God's word, it tells us, for instance, how powerful and good and holy God is. God's word assures us also God's mercy is as wide as his holiness is pure. And God's word tells us that because God entered the story as the hero Messiah, Jesus, to rescue us, that love wins. And the death and resurrection of Jesus means the defeat of all evil, suffering, and it means the coming end of history and the beginning of a new heavens and a new earth when Jesus returns, and all shall be well, in the words of a medieval saint, and all manner of things shall be well. That was Jesus' source of unquenchable hope beyond today's circumstances. So so why is this Jesus' habit? Well, here's something that he taught us. Matthew 4, verse 4. Jesus said, it is written, here's one of these examples, man... Human beings shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Why? Because God made the cosmos. God gave you and I the privilege of our few years on this planet, be they short, be they long. Therefore, we do not live by physical sustentation alone, but by nourishment that God gives us as well. The words God has spoken. God is alive and is not silent and has spoken what's in the Bible. That's how we live not just survive. So now I turn it to you, Lake Forest Church. Think about, did did you notice I I, I couched those three points as measurement. I was actually measuring Jesus' habit of referring to God's word. Think about you. Think about the measurement of these habits in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. When's the last time, super question, question, when's the last time like Jesus, you were like, well, it is written, not obnoxious, <laughs> but like, when's the last time that just naturally flowed out of your conversation? And, and I mean more than just to say, kid, it is written, children obey your parents. Not that one. <laughs> when's the last time you just said, you just brought up God's word as a part of your conversation? Like, I want you to measure that if you're a follower of Jesus, and I want you to measure it going forward. In real life, it sounds kind of like this for normal people. We're having a marital issue. We keep having the same marital issue over and over. We keep not solving it. And so it sounds kind of like this. Huh. You know, the book of Proverbs in God's Word says, wisdom is found in many counselors. Babe, we haven't been solving this by ourselves. Maybe we should reach out to a mentor or a Christian counselor. That's what it sounds like of referring to God's word in a normal part of life. We even see, I want to normalize this for you. I want to kind of raise the bar a little bit. Jesus knew the scriptures well enough. Quote, he entered the synagogue and taught, end of quote. How about you? Like that can be normal for every follower of Christ to know the scriptures enough that you can talk about it, you could even teach a bit of it. When's the last time you were around people talking about spiritual things or questioning? A spiritual conversation conversation came up with me with some random guy on the golf course yesterday. And when is the last time when you, not obnoxiously, 
but as a satisfied customer, not a salesperson, you were like, well, let me tell you what the Bible says about that. Because that is a moment of hope when you speak the eternal words of God to yourself, to someone else. You need it, and I need it. And so if you've been a Christian for some time, I think it should be normal. This is the normal Christian life that leads to hope. And the longer you're a Christian, the more ordinary it's to be that you are frequently learning the Bible like Jesus. The Gospels show this was normal and habitual for Jesus. Now, there may be other habits you're more interested in learning about Jesus, like, ooh, did he drip dry or blow dry? That beautiful hair I always see in the movies. You know? Maybe you're interested in that kind of habit of Jesus, but this one is more life-giving to you, and we actually have access to it as we read about him in the scriptures. So here's a question. How did Jesus learn the Bible? Well, we don't know exactly how he learned the scripture, but we do know a couple of indicators, and here's one for certain. Jesus' family were observant Jews, and so he was put in environments to learn scripture from a young age. Well done, those of you who are doing that with your children. He memorized scripture at home. He was in weekly synagogue teaching and temple worship. Do you know that Jewish boys in the generation of, of Jesus' time would typically learn the entire first five books of the Bible by memory by the age of 12? That's actually a for real thing. Like, human beings can do that. Like, they actually would memorize what was called the Torah. Do you know, in more modern times, the Scottish Highlanders... Can't wait till we can travel again. I want to go back to Scotland. Scottish Highlanders, their children would learn the entire book of Psalms, all 150 of them, by memory by the time they were a teenager. Like, this is actually possible to learn so much of God's Word, and we know that Jesus likely was led to memorize it. A second example uh, of how, uh, how did he learn and how did he treat these, so his family took him to worship. How did he treat these opportunities to learn the Bible? Well, the Gospel of Luke gives us a, a snapshot of what I like to call youth group Jesus. He's 12 years old and it said, Luke tells us specifically he's 12. And he went to the temple, and it says he was learning from the Bible teachers. Luke 2, 46. They found Jesus in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. That's youth group Jesus. In fact, let me show you this whole passage, Luke 2, verse 45 to 48. Mary and Joseph couldn't find Jesus, and they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Okay, so 12-year-old youth group Jesus, middle school Jesus, went missing. After three days, three days? Okay, mamas, what would you be like if your 12-year-old boy went missing for three, three days? This was Jesus, okay? He wasn't all super, like, this was mischievous. Uh, after three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus was so interested in learning and discussing God's word at his youth group age, he took his own personal youth retreat. <laughs> Anybody ever go on a youth retreat? He was like, I'm taking a retreat. I'm going for three days to the temple, my, my own self. I want to talk to the teachers of the Bible. That's what he did to learn from the teachers. Now, 
It says his mother, you know, said, son, why have you treated us like that? I think at that moment, she probably sounded like Mrs. Weasley in whichever of the 55 Harry Potter movies it was when the boys had been out all night sneaking in and then she caught them. And she goes, Ronald Weasley, where have you been? I think Mary, the sweet mother of Jesus, probably sounded like Mrs. Weasley in that moment. <laughs> I think this snapshot of youth group Jesus is fascinating. He was brought to the synagogue, to the temple. He was taught the Bible. And like many of you worshiping online, all the Gibson children, you're in your house. You're stuck there for a while. Super cool that a ministry partner brought you guys a bunch of groceries and treated you last night. That's awesome. But like many of you under 18, your family has brought you to worship and to church. Jesus could have zoned out. He could have let it go in one ear, out the other. But this is how he treated his version of church and youth group. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And that's where I want to say to those of you in Remix, in youth group here at Lake Forest Church Westlake, I want to say to you, well done. Those of you who are in the high school Bible study, those of you who are in the middle school Bible study, that's youth group Jesus, and you're doing that. And I want to say to those of you who are parents, like it's super important to lead your kid as much as possible to be engaged uh, when youth group kicks back off in the new year to lead them as much as possible to be involved in learning the scriptures here. When I was 19 years old, I fell in love with this cute girl named Angie. And you know what I saw? I mean, I, I knew some cute girls before, but here was this girl, she's 19. She was wise and deep and strong in her character. Like she was a force, I'm like, whoa, dang, that girl. And I found out why. The summer after her eighth grade year, she was the same age as youth group Jesus, <laughs> a friend invited her to a summer Bible study with their youth group at church. Angie did not grow up in a church. And she was given a Bible that night. Like she was like, dude, what is this? This, this speaks to me. She went home and read it. She gave her life to Jesus that night in her own house, just reading the Bible. And she became a young woman. She was in Bible study with leaders in her youth group all through high school. And, and, and that's why when I encountered her at 19, <clears throat> she was like a force. She was, I fell in love. Starting in ninth grade, I was in a small group that studied the Bible all the way through high school. I learned a ton from my leaders teaching me the Bible just like youth group Jesus did. I asked them questions, I listened to their answers. And so every adult in worship today, every teenager, because a lot of you have your teenagers either here in person or online. Um, if you're not in a group that regularly studies and discusses the Bible together, a community group here at Lake Forest, uh, the youth group, do in the new year. That's, that's a way to follow Jesus and be like youth group Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus. Uh, because God's word in your heart and your mind will fill you with a gift of hope just like Jesus. Now let me finish. 
You know how everybody, even Katie, how you introduced the service, were like, can we please skip past even the rest of 2020, even though it's just like a week and a half, and just get to 2021? Can we get to halfway through 2020? Can we just skip ahead? Well, let me give you a preview of what we're going to do as a church in 2021 to have a better year. The Lake Forest Family of Churches theme for 2021 is that in one year, we're going to preach the entire Bible front to back. So Pastor Aaron will start in January in the book of Genesis, and we're going to track together. He and I will be talking about the sermons with our other pastors. We're going to preach the whole way through the Bible in one year. So the sermons are going to be about three and a half hours long, so just settle in. <laughs> We've got to get through the whole thing. Um, and that's what we'll do in worship. Here's what I'm inviting you to step up. We're going to invite every person at Lake Forest to read a portion of the Bible front to back, to track with the sermons, and then daily, weekly, we're going to have a reading plan, a Bible reading plan. We're not going to read every word in the Bible, but we're going to track it through. And we're going to give you a reading plan. I'm inviting you to step up and travel with us. We're going to study the Bible at the same pace, front to back, in all of our groups. So I encourage you, if you're not in a community group, if you're not in remake in, in youth group, uh, to get in that. And we'll be studying it through the whole year. And then, for some, we're going to invite you to earn a Lake Forest School of Ministry certificate, or this can even go toward master's level credit. We're going to have an Old and New Testament seminary level course offered to every ministry partner at Lake Forest who wants to step up and take that. That'll be through Gordon-Conwell Seminary. You know what some other churches are focusing on in the new year? Resisting masks or public health stuff in the name of religious freedom and we're getting all upset about whatever. Some churches are going to focus in the new year, getting heated up and focused on being a church that marries their faith to either progressive politics or Republican politics, and that's gross and disgusting, and you should run away from that. I'm calling you to step up, and we're going to be a church that focuses on the entire Bible and the Word of God in this new year. We've had nine months of the pandemic to binge way bad TV and movies. <laughs> I've watched some really terrible TV. I've wasted a lot of time. And you've done some positive things in the pandemic. Maybe some of you have learned a new language or something. We're, Pastor Aaron and I are calling our ministry partners to step it up and invest time in God's Word along with your whole church in 2021 together. And I look forward to that. A tool that we're going to invite everyone to use is Bible Journey. You'll hear more about that in the new year. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for my friends here at Lake Forest Church Westlake. God, uh, we thank you for Jesus. God, thank you that you came for us, that you came to rescue us, that you put a face on and you showed us who you are in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Thank you. Thank you that you died on the cross to atone for our sins and offer forgiveness to any who ask. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead after three days to give us new and eternal life. And thank you that you gave us your Holy Spirit to give us your comfort and your love all day, every day, and your power to live on your mission. 
to be a gift of hope to the world. Help us to be a gift of hope to the world as people and as a church as we immerse ourselves in the whole story of the Bible in the new year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.